you are listening to an After Dinner Conversation magazine podcast. After Dinner Conversation believes humanity is improved by ethics and morals grounded in philosophical truth, and that philosophical truth is discovered through intentional reflection and respectful debate. In order to facilitate this process, we've created a growing series of print books, a monthly short story magazine, and two different podcasts. This podcast, Philosophy, Ethics, Short Story, Audiobooks, provides audiobook readings of stories that have appeared in our magazine and our companion podcast, Philosophy, Ethics, Short Story Discussions, is where we discuss the ethics of the choices made in the stories as a way to model the kinds of discussions we hope that you're having about these readings with friends, family, or students. I'm once again your narrator, Colby, and the creator of After Dinner Conversation Publishing. Thank you once again for spending your time listening to our podcast and for reading the magazine. Thank you for supporting us through your magazine subscriptions and through patreon.com forward slash after dinner conversation. And of course, if you enjoy this audiobook reading, please subscribe to our podcast, share it on social media, and suggest it to friends. We love doing it, and we love sharing it with those who get what we're doing. So thank you so much for joining us. Today's story first appeared in the February 2021 edition of After Dinner Conversation magazine. The story is entitled The Library of Grama by Zef Arbach. Zach was sweating and panting as he reached the top of the hill. The crooked beams of the library loomed over him. He dropped the buckets of water, swore at the few drops that split, and escaped the piercing morning sun in the shade of the library. He walked through that vast, tall chamber. He pictured himself and Bernard when they'd been small, ducking and diving and climbing through the web of containers, pulleys, cogs, and gears. Bernard confidently shunting wooden switches and cranking metal levers, swinging from the iron scaffolding to reach the highest contraptions in the up, up, up. Zack himself clamored after his older brother, pretending to do the things his brother could. He looked at the guts of a broken contraption strewn across the floor. Hours and hours he'd spent, and he still had no idea how to put the pieces back together. No idea how to get the memories back. Mr. Adamson, with the bushy beard, could fix it. Perhaps he was the only one left who could. Had he really returned, like the villagers had said? As usual, Zack had been up early to collect water from the meager stream in the valley. He took it into the shed where he and Grandma slept. She was already sitting there on the side of the bed, her hair all up on one side, a deep frown across her wrinkled brow. Robert, she greeted him, squinting. Robert had been Zack's dad. It's Zack, Grandma, he said, smiling and patting her hair down. Zack, that's right. And will Rebecca be along soon? Rebecca had been Zack's mom. Zack knew Grandma didn't really think she'd be along soon. It was just that Grandma got cloudy outside of the library. Yes, he said. Uh, yes, yeah, she'll be here any minute. Grandma smiled and her thoughts soon drifted onto something else. Don't forget, Robert, she said authoritatively, wagging a finger in the air. 
I met Rebecca's father, Joseph Bauman, in a library. He would be proud of what we've achieved here. He was... Now, what was he doing? Tell me, what were we talking about just then? She rubbed her frail fingertips together anxiously. Grandpa, Joseph Bowman, Zack said, which encouraged her to smile and keep talking. Soon she was hopping and skipping onto her other topics, and she was never going to stop, so Zack stood her up and helped her wash. Her skin felt like cold, wet cloth draped loose across her bones. Lifting her up was one of the few things that got easier day by day since she grew smaller while he grew bigger. He was now eleven and three quarters. Helping her wash and sorting out her toilet troubles was not nice work, but who else was going to do it? Mom had shown him and Bernard how to do it all only last summer, when she'd been growing weaker. He'd had to do it for her, too. He could still hear Mom's voice telling him not to be scared. He wanted Mom to be proud of him. Was asking Mr. Adamson to help with the library the right way to do that? She used to tell him she was proud of him all the time. Bernard will be the head engineer and you'll be the head librarian, he heard her saying in her voice that had gotten all wheezy. I'll be the only librarian, he remembered replying, half with humor and half with fear. Her laugh. Zack lifted Grandma to her rusty zimmer. She tilted her head at it quizzically. Are you sure I need this thing? If you say so, dear. They shuffled to the library. Everyone in the family had always called it a library, but Zack had seen pictures of an olden library and it didn't look like that at all. There were no books you could hold for a start. He had always seen it more as a tree, a huge ancient tree. A broad canopy of green tarplin was supported by trunks of iron and timber scaffolding. There were all kinds of ropes and cables running through pulleys and wrapped around the trunks, like vines growing and crisscrossing to reach the sun. The trunks branched out over cogs and axles, butting off into all manner of strange and complicated contraptions. Boxes within boxes, gadgets within gizmos, magic and mystery. All he knew was that without all this, Grandma had no memories to share. He set Grandma down into her chair into the heart of the library. She almost purred with contentment as she snuggled in and adjusted her giant magnifying glass. She snatched instinctively at a wooden keyboard, swinging it towards her and tenderly stroking the hand-carved keys. Joseph Bauman, she said, savoring the words. She typed something and yanked on a grubby lever. The library whirled into action. Click thump, wooze. Boom, clack, clack. A tightly bound scroll suspended from a pulley and a cable in a high-up nest of the library whizzed and whooshed all the way down, ending up smack-bang in front of her magnifying glass. As Grandma pumped away at a pedal, a spool started spinning, and under her magnifying glass a short stretch of scroll was drawn out. She read the words into an olden copper megaphone, and her voice, clear, confident, and strong, came booming out. It was the spring of 1986, spring reading week at Nottingham University, the Hallward Library. It must have been my third year of architecture, and it seemed like it was never going to end. I just wanted to build. This handsome chap walked in, looking completely lost, saying he was searching for a book of love poetry. I told him I knew where to look. This was a lie. 
I just wanted more time in his company. And that was that. We used to say he went in looking for love and he came out with me. Grandma laughed and nestled deeper into her chair. Came out with me, she repeated, adding off scroll. Our little fairy tale, she closed her eyes. Joseph Bowman, she said deep in reverie. She pressed some keys. Click, thump, whoosh, boom, clack, clack. Another scroll came before her eyes. So there was this time with Joseph, she started. But Zack didn't listen because he'd heard these stories so many times. Besides, he hadn't even met Grandpa. A knock on the door, Grandma didn't notice. As Zack walked over to the door, he found himself desperately hoping there would be a load of visitors there, like the old days, bringing tasty food donations. At the moment, it was looking like a can of chickpeas for supper again. Drink the goo, it's good for you. He remembered how the villagers and outsiders alike would come in big groups. His whole family would be ready for them. Mum and Dad at the door to welcome them in. He and Bernard perched up by the contraptions, Grandma in her chair. The buzzing crowd would push in, then they'd gaze up in wonder and gasp at the machinery. They'd gather around Grandma in hushed reverence, eagerly awaiting the answers and the memories to come. Zack opened the door now. It was just four people, Old Hattie, as always, Gerald the one-armed pig farmer, and two outsiders. For the sake of the outsiders, a skinny, shawled lady and a little girl, Zack began Mom's spiel. As he spoke, Grandma repeated the odd word, sometimes hitting the timing just right to create a sort of harmony. The library of Grandma atop the hill offers... You boundless knowledge of the world we know and the world that was. Ask Grandma questions of history, technology, philosophy, and every other ology and osophy. Hear memories of the fallen, listen to the past, and speak to the future. You don't need to tell them about half of the library's just Grandma's personal memories. Is it true, the shawled lady asked the villagers, gazing up at the library with the wonder that still made Zack feel proud? Will she know? Old Hattie and Gerald nodded. We have traveled so far, the lady said exhausted. She was clutching to her side, her young daughter, who clearly wanted to run off to play with the levers and buttons and dials on display. Just outside the door, Zack caught a glimpse of someone else, and at first Zack didn't recognize him because it had been so long and his beard had grown ever more. But it was Mr. Adamson with the bushy beard. So it was true, Zack had thought he might never see him again. Zack's thoughts raced through repairs that needed doing. Mr. Adamson, Zack called out. Hello again, little Zack, he said in a gravelly voice. I'll be back later. I'll just have some time with my thoughts. Zack suspected why. It was seeing the young daughter. She must have reminded him of his own. The shawled lady stepped forwards. Oh, wise grandma, it is a fine honor to meet you. We have been traveling from the west for eight long days. His daughter tugged at her trousers. You said the old woman knows lots of fairy tales. Quiet now, Lily, her mother snapped. Oh yes, lots of fairy tales, Grandma said, giving Lily a cheeky wink. Yes, but we have come to hear about Mama. She looked sternly at Lily. Your Nana, like I told you. That first, so. Wouldn't you like to hear what she was like? Lily nodded because that was what was expected of her. Zack never understood why adults couldn't see that children wanted new things, not words about old, dead people. But that was what the library had become famous for. Here, Zack said, retrieving from a cabinet a large bundle of 
well-thumbed sheets of paper. The outsider leafed through the long list of names, photos, and faces. So many, she whispered. Then all of a sudden she called out, There! And I don't believe it. The handwriting. It's Connor's. She looked around her, but nobody knew what to say. Zack noticed a tear on her bony cheek. It's only M's brother's handwriting. He must have come here before he... She looked to Grandma. Did you meet my Connor? Grandma simply grasped the lady's trembling hand and stroked it, as if that was enough. What's that you say, dear, she asked, turning to Zack for help. You pick the name, Zack told the lady. Grandma remembers. Keela McNamara, she read out. Zack prompted her to show the sheet to Grandma, who read the code next to the name. It had been better, quicker, smoother when Grandma hadn't needed the codes. Ah, Keela McNamara, Grandma said warmly. Click, thump, whoosh. Bam, clack, clack. I remember a broad-chested Irishman called Connor telling me about his mother, Keela. His fondest memory of his mother was from way before this awful business. This was how Grandma usually referred to the end. There was a tradition for Easter Sunday. Keela would pretend to be a chicken. No costume, just a very severe chicken expression. Her gently fluttering elbows and this loud clucking that would come in fits as she pretended to rather painfully lay the chocolate eggs. The lady had one hand to her mouth, the other hand squeezing Lily closer to her, tears now tumbling down her face. After their laying, Keela, her husband Eamon, and the children, Connor, Beth, and Rhiannon. That's me! I'm Rhiannon, the lady cried. Rhiannon, Grandma said, off scroll. Such a beautiful name. She continued, They would all go out to the garden for the great Easter egg hunt. Strict age order. Now, what would you like to hear about next year? Zach knew Grandma had a list of prompts in front of her. Can I look around, Lily asked impatiently. I can look after her, Zach offered instantly. He had no interest in hearing about yet more dead strangers. People could come to Grandma to learn about anything in the whole wide world, but it was always this useless stuff about times and people that weren't ever coming back. What was a chocolate egg anyway? But what about Nana? She never knew her Nana, Zach wanted to say. Well, don't go far, Renan gave in. Come on, Zach said. I'll show you the view from the up, up, up. They climbed the first floor of scaffolding. It's the most humongous machine I've ever seen, Lily said. Mom said it used to be as small as only that, Zach said, sketching out a tiny room with his fingers. It was just to help Grandma with her memory. She was scared of forgetting. It was only later when she realized she could remember things for others, too. He helped her up another floor. Lily's hand reached out slowly to touch one of the contraptions, but Zack nudged her. Oi, you might break it. He looked down gravely at the parts of the contraption he'd been trying and failing to fix. The climb reminded Zack of when Bernard used to take him up here. He remembered how scary the rattling of the chains and the grinding of the gears had been. If you hold on like this, it's safe, he showed Lily. They heard and saw the click-thump-whoosh-zoom-bam-clack-clack of library parts moving all around them as Grandma remembered. Why haven't people burned this place down? Lily asked plainly. Because it's sacred, Zack said. And because there's no electronics, it's the electronics they don't trust. Not everyone has forgiven scientific progress yet, Mum used to say. Where I come from, 
They would have burnt this place down, Lily said. Whatever it is, it's too clever. They'd never try to burn this down, Zack lied. He held on to a railing and closed his eyes. He saw the flames and the smoke again. He heard the wailing of Mr. Adamson as he did all he could to save Bernard. He saw Bernard's face, greasy, speckled with soot, his eyes closed. Book burners, looters, they'd never found out who started that fire. Sometimes when Zack closed his eyes, he saw that fire that had gotten his brother in the autumn, but distorted and amplified it into something even more horrific. It was a powerful and terrifying vision that sometimes came to him in his sleep, sometimes in the day, just when he didn't want it, like now. Fierce flames against the black of night, the whole library ablaze, thick plumes of billowing smoke stretched far across the horizon. Grandma watched from afar, alone on her knees. Zack was nowhere in his vision, absent and powerless, free. Had the end looked something like that? Like that, but far, far worse. Was that what had gotten Grandpa, along with almost everyone else, from the old, old, old? Zack slipped and yelped, teetering on a ledge, but Lily caught his hand. He shook his head. Silly thoughts. I was fine, he lied again. Let's go a little more up. They passed through an extension where he remembered his mum and Bernard building together. Then he showed her where to duck through a gap in the tarpaulin. Wow, Lily said as she broke out into the light. Zack loved this view. He used to sit out here on the roof with Bernard for the sunset, mum shouting at them to get down. You could hear the wind. You could almost imagine the library wasn't there at all. There, Lily shouted. You see the ruins of that church over there? We came along the river just beyond that. Zack looked wistfully over. And let me work out where you're going next, she said, biting her thumb. Zack and Bernard had dreamed up so many plans about where they were going to go once they were grown up. Zack looked down the hill to the village. They used to race up that hill. Zack had been getting faster and faster, and he was going to beat Bernard one day. No, you'll never. He was about to ask Lily about all the places they had been to, but suddenly he heard that piercing scream of metal against metal that he hated. He could faintly hear a clack, 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 clack. Oh no, not again. We better get down, he said. So they drew away from the light and the wind back into the dingy library. He could make out Grandma down there, lost for words and looking confused. It's because of all the broken parts, Zack explained, embarrassed. It was happening more and more. Zack remembered the time, not so long ago, when Grandma, with her library at her fingertips, must have been the smartest, wisest, most genius person left in the world. The villagers used to ask Grandma all sorts of fascinating questions, not just about the past, but about how to make water mills, what seeds to sow, how to read the stars, how to do the biggest sums. And the more she gave them, the more they gave her. The library grew and grew. There's someone coming to help later who will get the library working again, he told Lily on their descent. But it wasn't just that, was it? Grandma was finding it harder just to know where to start. She was getting more confused. That was why the villagers mainly stuck now to hearing about simple old memories. That was why this had become a place of death. Next month, there'd be the big day of remembering. The villagers would all come out and hear about the end. They'd weep and sing the same songs about the old, old, old.
Grandma at the center. They need something permanent, Mom used to say, but how could Grandma cope with it now? Mom used to say she would sit in the chair herself one day. She'd take over from Grandma as the memory of the village. Zack knew she would have become even more genius than Grandma, but she'd suffered the sickness that Grandma had been able to describe in such detail, but which nobody had been able to cure. One day the library will be yours, she'd told them, but the fire had gotten Bernard. Mr. Adamson had left. So was that what Zack had to do to make her proud? Was now the time, now that Mr. Adamson was back to help? Did he have to sit in that chair, Grandma's chair, which fitted only Grandma and smelt of only Grandma, and all those memories of all those people? No, the library just needed fixing. Grandma just needed help. They jumped down. A scroll on a bright red spool hung in front of Grandma. Jam in cylinder 43, she read out. First check teeth at node B7. Red with embarrassment and ignoring everyone else, Zack climbed up and crawled through the inner workings of the first floor of the library. They called it playing the photocopier game. He used to like it when Mum and Bernard were here to repair parts that had broken. It wasn't fun anymore. He couldn't fix it. In the end, he took the scroll, which had memories of Renan and Lily's family, and guiltily handed it to them. Won't she miss it? Lily asked. No, he said. The villagers offered to help, but they couldn't help, so they left. Eventually, Zack managed to reset the library. Renan donated some more memories for Grandma, which Zack helped set down onto a new scroll, like Mum used to. They didn't donate any food. Drink the goo, it's good for you. As Lily and Renan left, Zack felt himself longing to go with them. He looked outside for Mr. Adamson, but he wasn't there. Zack knew there were more useful jobs to be done, but he would allow himself a minute. He sat next to Grandma and took the family photo album from under her chair. The keys to Grandma's treasure chests. He flicked to one of her favorite pages and tapped at one of the fading photos. Rebecca, Grandma whispered, stroking the image of Mum. She looked up at him. Tell me, Rebecca who? Rebecca, your daughter. Oh, that Rebecca, that's right. She looked searchingly at Zack, a little troubled, rubbing her fingertips together. Then she saw the code written above the photo, and she carefully keyed this in. Click, thump, whoosh, zzz, clack, clack. The scroll changed. Of course, Rebecca is a fine electrical engineer in a world that no longer needs electrical engineers. Indeed, has turned its back on electricity and engineers. Understandably, but she remains a fine engineer. Yesterday, we went on our first what could be called holiday since that awful business. I was only a tiny baby, Zack, then, Zack whispered to himself as he recognized this old one. Rebecca cobbled together an ingenious chariot of sorts, and we went to the beach. Then Grandma's eyes sparkled as she added off-scroll, the beach, well, I never. Before continuing, so it was the whole gang, me, Rebecca, Joseph, I mean Robert, who took the shotgun, because we still had shells for it then, and little Bernard and tiny baby Zack, Zack chimed in with her. This was a story he remembered only from the outside in, from sitting here, hearing her telling it, just like this so many times. 
and we got to the beach and I had such fond memories of donkey rides from when I was a child. So we bullied Robert into getting down on all fours, she said, remembering and adding right in this moment, yes, baying like a donkey, ha! And oh, how Zack loved these, her moments of bright shining light. And Zack was too small, but Bernard turned out to be too big because when he went for a donkey ride on Robert, Robert's back gave, and would you believe it? Robert had to come home back in my chariot, which Rebecca had made, with me on his lap. She smacked her lips, adding, On his lap! Well, I never. More mum, he whispered. Rebecca. Ah, yes, Rebecca, Grandma said, hitting keys. Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, clack, clack. Let me tell you about Rebecca on the beach. She used to love the beach, of course. For her to see it so empty, so desolate, and she was with tiny Zack, and... Well, I remember her telling Zack about all the beaches that she'd seen. The long, warm beach lapping her heels in Kotao, uh, the phosphorescent plankton in the freezing black waters off Vancouver Island. Zack couldn't remember ever seeing a beach, but he remembered his mom telling him about the sand, the donkeys, the big pirate swings. He dreamed of one day crossing the sea and exploring what remained. The journey home, Zack requested. This was one of his favorites. Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, clack, 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 clack. Zack heard the piercing scream of metal against metal. Not again. He tried to follow her instructions, the photocopier game. He reached the broken part and nudged some wooden teeth back in place. The library started to whirl back into action. Phew, he thought, elated and proud of himself. But then, with a crunch, a tooth splintered and snapped off. He was crestfallen. He just wasn't good at fixing. This was his brother's stuff. Mom had started to teach him, too. She thought she'd have more time. He made his way despondently back to Grandma and told her the code, which he knew off by heart so that she could try again. Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, bam, clack, clack. Now... Let me tell you about Rebecca on the beach, Grandma began again. Click, thump, whoosh, boom, clack, 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 clack. Grandma had nothing to read and nothing to remember. Lost, Zack thought. One of our favorites. Eventually, something came to Grandma. Beautiful, she said, her eyes closed. She was beautiful on the beach. Zack squeezed her hand. And did you know I went back on his lap? On his lap, dear. Well, I never. She is so very clever, isn't she, Robert? Grandma said. She pointed all around her. She must have made all this. No, you made most of this, Grandma. Ah, I see, yes. I do remember that one, now you mention it. Teach me how to make the contraptions, he said boldly, hopelessly, and teach me how to fix them. Ah, the contraptions, she said. Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, clack, clack. She dredged up an old one. I've just finished the first contraption. It's quaint. I just put my legs up, press a button, and my memories come flying down to me. I wonder how many more gadgets and gizmos I have in me. In the daytime, I'll continue to help out however I can with the building work in the village. In the night, I'll tinker. Rebecca and her Robert, they humor me, an old eccentric. Besides, what could they say to me? They saw what happened to my mom's memory. It'll keep me out of trouble in my twilight years, in this twilight world. I know I won't get far. It's only a matter of days before 
something comes crumbling down, whether from without or within. It wasn't of much practical use to Zack. Zack was lunging for the photo album again when he heard the door creaking. Hello? came hesitantly from the doorway. Zack took a deep breath and walked to greet Mr. Adamson with the bushy beard. He was a wiry man with a glum face, all parts of it drooping downwards. His clothes were all tattered. It has taken its toll, Mom used to say. It was what had happened to his wife and daughters. This was why Mr. Adamson used to come so often, to listen and talk about them, before the end. He used to even work on the library so that he could stay closer to them for longer. Zack was excited to see that he wore his old tool belt. Hello there, little Zack. Welcome back, Mr. Adamson. Caroline, he said, nodding respectfully to Grama. You're going to tell me I know you, aren't you? Grama asked, as if recognition was on the tip of her tongue. It's only me, Theo, he replied. He smiled as much as he could, and she smiled a little with him. Mr. Adamson was still catching his breath from climbing the hill. He angled his back and squinted up to inspect the place. Holy moly, he whispered to himself. I forgot how huge this is. What a thing. So many memories. It must be over half a year since he left, Zack thought. It was the fire, the fire that got Bernard, that had taken yet another toll on Mr. Adamson. Carrying Bernard's limp, sooty, speckled body out of the library and not being able to bring him back, that must have reminded him of his daughters and how he hadn't been able to save them either. Zack could still hear his childlike wailing. But had he needed to run away and leave Zack all alone with Grandma? Zack thought he must have been here to make up for it. Well, there was so much work to do. Before you listen to any memories, Zack started, apprehensive because he needed this so much. It's just, I wanted to talk about the library. You know how you used to help us all out? You know it's almost the anniversary of there, Mr. Adamson trailed off. So many years now, he mumbled gloomily. Time to move on. We need to move on. Maybe just one last listen. He read out a code. He knew them all by heart. Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, clack, clack. There's a man in the village here called Theodore Adamson, Grandma started. It was just awful. That first wave. His wife and daughters. Let me tell you first how the two of them met. It's a wonderful story in itself. And within seconds, Mr. Adamson was weeping making all sorts of strange loud noises like he used to, and Zack didn't know where to look or what to do. He did a little mathematics to keep himself distracted. Twenty-five years, was it? How many days was twenty-five years? Time to move on, Mr. Adamson said again, wiping his eyes. Time to forget. Then the strangest thing happened. Mr. Adamson put a finger to the lips of Grandma, like shh, and then started using his tools to dismantle the contraptions in front of her. What, um, Zack said, startled, is it broken? No, it's finally time to move on. But the hairs on Zack's neck stood up. Mr. Adamson took detached fragments of the contraption to the center of the library and started a pile. Zack watched in disbelief as Mr. Adamson let scrolls of Grandma's memories simply tumble to the dirty ground. Why would you do that? I must, Mr. Adamson said. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Zack whispered a code to Grandma, 
Maybe if Mr. Adamson heard the right story about his wife and daughters, perhaps he'd stop. Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, clack, 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 clack. Grandma sat there, silent. You can't take that from her, Zach tried to shout, feeling his face turning red. She'll be fine, Mr. Adamson said, detached and unemotional now, not pausing from dismantling another contraption. This must have been why he had brought those tools. For too long we have been sick with remembering. As long as this place stands, people will remain haunted by them. I got miles and miles away, but I knew they were still here. We need to be set free. Mr. Adamson smiled thinly, and Grandma smiled thinly too. I'm sorry for her, he said, though I believe she will not know what she'll miss. She's been too far gone for some time. Stop it, Zack screamed as Mr. Adamson ripped out cylinders and cut through ropes, tearing scrolls of Grandma's memories in the process. He piled the broken pieces in the center. It's natural to forget, he said placidly. Let her forget. No, Zack ran to him and tugged at his shirt, pleading. They're her memories. They're her stories. Mr. Adamson whipped around, his face contorted in anguish. A brutal-looking hammer raised in the air and thundered at Zack. You were not there. You didn't see them. Zack ran to Grandma's side. She was confused and agitated at the shouting. He held her hand. But you know this is how we feed ourselves, Zack said, sniffling, his nose snotty with tears. The other villagers who come, they won't let you do this. They see her as the village elder. They see her as someone who can bring loved ones back, just for a moment, and they can't pull themselves away. But the dead torment them. The grief consumes them. Mr. Adamson carved out another contraption. He dumped the scrolls in the pile. Zack thought of all the hours, over so many years, it had taken for Grandma and Mum to set her memories down on those scrolls. Huge chunks of her lost. Zack whispered a few codes to her, some of her favorites, clack, 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 clack. Nothing there. Mr. Adamson took a bottle of something from his belt and started to pour it over the pile. Zack knew the smell instantly. It starts fires. He had that terrifying vision again, the whole library ablaze, Grandma watching from afar, alone and on her knees, thick plums of billowing smoke stretched far across the horizon. They'd never found the person who'd tried to burn the library down last autumn. Bernard, Zack said faintly. Then he called out in a strangled voice, You tried this before, didn't you? At first there was no response, then it came without emotion. I never meant to hurt him. I want you to understand, Zack. I did it when you were all asleep. I thought it would set us all free. Mr. Adamson turned his back. He brought from his pocket a box of matches. Grandma whispered something. Nine, nine, nine. We need to protect. Why hadn't Zack thought of it sooner? Click, thump, whoosh, zoom, clack, clack. A small red box whizzed down from the upper branches and landed by Grandma's feet. Zack pulled the wooden bolt on the front and retrieved from inside a long, rusted, serrated blade. When Mr. Adamson turned around, Zack was there, standing as tall as he could but trembling. Put it back, Zack ordered, exactly as it was. Mr. Adamson grimaced and held his hands up with a holy moly. 
but Zack could see he was still holding on to things, in one hand the brutal-looking hammer, and in the other the box of matches. I don't want to hurt you, little Zack, he said, sounding more like himself. Look at your grandma, Zack did. He saw how distressed she looked. You know that she needs help. She doesn't need all of this, he said, waving at the chaotic jumble of the library. I can help you free her from this thing. Then he added something that crushed Zack. That's what you really want, isn't it? Perhaps he's right, Zack thought with sorrow, momentarily letting his guard down. Seizing the opportunity, Mr. Adamson darted forward to disarm Zack, but Zack reacted fast, bringing the knife up and slashing at his arm, cutting deep into his flesh and spilling blood. Mr. Adamson recoiled, crying out in pain and dashing for the exit. Zack stamped out a fallen match as he heard Mr. Adamson sprint madly down the hill. Zack knew in that instance that Mr. Adamson could never truly destroy what he wanted to destroy, and no running would allow him to escape it. Zack looked around. Some of the contraptions had been broken, yet most of the library had been saved. He could try really, really hard to fix it. He felt so proud. He wished he could tell Mum. He gave Grandma a gigantic hug and kissed her on her forehead. She always smelt exactly the same, and now it calmed him. Zack got the photo album and showed it to her. Bernard, he said, pointing at the hand-drawn picture of his smiling brother. Bernard? I'm not sure who you mean, Grandma said. Zack prodded at the code. Just type it, Grandma, he said. Type it like normal. You say Grandma. Why is that? That's what I've always called you, Zack said with a reassuring smile. I suppose that's right. Zack kept prodding at the picture, but she didn't have the faintest idea what he meant by it. She looked down at the keyboard, which she had carved with her own hands, and she pushed it away like it was something that someone had put there by mistake. Grandma looked all around herself at the library, boxes within boxes, gadgets and gizmos, magic and mystery. Now tell me, she asked in wonder, what is this place? She asked the question as if it were the first time she'd set eyes on any of it. It all just hung there, silent, still, and strange. It's your library, Grandma, Zack said. A tear formed in his eye. He held her tight. My library? Grandma almost spat out in belief. No, Robert, not my library, she said assuredly, chuckling a little at that curious notion of his. I think it must be yours. Then her whole face lit up with her beautiful smile. My library was where I met Joseph Ballman all those years ago. Let me tell you how that went. And despite it all, how Zack loved this. This moment of bright, shining light. The End Discussion Questions Number 1 if you had the ability to go to Grama and get an exact memory of a day in your life decades earlier, would you do it? Number two, if it were up to you, would you dismantle the machine attached to Grama and cause the memories to fade away? Number three, we study and learn from the past, yet the story is about allowing ourselves to forget the past over time. 
How do you reconcile the human need to both learn from and forget the past? Number four, what will happen to Grama if the machine is taken apart? Is that result cruel or kind? Number five, is social media similar to the contraption created in the story? Is social media nothing more than a way for our history to be forever accessible? Is this a good or a bad thing? What changes would make it better or worse? Thank you once again for joining me. I love reading these stories, and I hope you enjoy listening to them and discussing them with friends. Next week, we will be listening to the story, The Human Experience. If you enjoyed this story, head over to our companion podcast, After Dinner Conversation Discussions. And listen to our discussions of this and other short stories from our magazine. We'll include a link in the description. And of course, you can always continue the discussion on our webpage in the comments section and on our Facebook page. Thank you for joining us. Bye.